So we started at Easter this series called Three Days to Live. It's been a lot of fun because we've, we've talked about the afterlife and life and death. And um, two weeks ago we talked about hell and what the Bible describes that would be like. And then last week we talked about heaven and um, it was a lot of fun. I, I would encourage if you haven't got a chance to hear some of the, the messages in this series, you can go online and click on our media page and, and listen to those online. I'd encourage you to do that. It's been a lot of fun because, uh, honestly, it's been... Uh, it's even been good for me because I've learned a few things just even studying that I really did not know. And this week has been even more fun because today we're doing something called a, you know, afterlife Q&A. We're talking about questions and answers that people have um, about death and the afterlife. And just as kind of a disclaimer right up front, uh, I by no means uh, have all the answers and I am by no means uh, a special expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, but what I do know, what I am going to try to do today is do my best to answer some of these tough questions uh, the best that I can with the ability that I have. And uh, the, the thing that we have to understand is that the, although the Bible gives us uh, a lot of information about God and about life, the Bible does not answer all of our questions. The Bible does say that the, the Bible gives us everything we need to know. So if we need to know it, it's in the scriptures and, and God explains it clear enough. But if it's not something that we necessarily don't need to know, it, it doesn't always answer all the questions that we want to know. And some of these questions are questions that we want to know, but some of the answers are not all here. So what I'm going to do today is look at, look at some questions. And some of them, the Bible speaks very clearly. And when the Bible speaks very clearly about a, a question or whatever, we're, we're going to give a biblical answer and we'll kind of draw a line and say, this is it. You know? And uh, when the Bible does not speak clearly, then what we'll try to do is we'll say, well, what are some principles of the Bible? What are some things that the Bible talks about? And maybe we can kind of cross-apply them, and, and maybe we can come up with kind of a general idea of maybe the, the best guess of what God might um, have to say about that, that answer. And, and so I'll try to make the best uh, conclusion I can. And you may disagree with me, but just remember, um, you know, all of you reserve the right to be wrong uh, at, at any time. So, um, so you, you might disagree with me, but of course, uh, you probably will be wrong. But um, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so it is possible today in some of these questions where I might not be right. So I'm, I, we're just going to do the best that we can. The first question that we have, we'll just jump right into. It's probably the most controversial uh, question that we could deal with in church. And, and probably after today, I'll, I'm going to get death threats and stuff like that. And uh, we might have some people that may throw things at me. Um, so I have, um, you know, secret security. They're here and they're packing heat, just so you know. So if you, if you try to rush me and kill me, uh, they're, they're ready to defend me at any, at any point. So... Um, but the first question is this, is uh, do pets go to heaven? And uh, for those of you, uh, maybe you've kind of heard some of my jokes and you think this guy, Jay, he does not like animals. And I've got to tell you, I love animals, especially uh, the chicken and beef variety. And I really do. I love, I especially love those animals. But no, I, I, I like animals and, and I enjoy pets. Um, there are some pets that I, that I, I don't enjoy, but... I brought you a picture just to show you that I, I do have a heart. Here, let me show you. This is me with my two dogs, and I'm pretending to like them at this point. So I, let me just be honest. I don't always like these animals, especially this week. I really wanted to kill them. I wanted to send them to a place of eternal punishment because the black one is a puppy. It's a poodle, 
His name is, um, it's supposed to be Samson, but our kids can't really say the word Samson. They call him Samsung, like, like the TVs and VCRs. That's what, they, that's what they've named this dog. His name is Samsung. So that's the dog's name. And then the other one is Marley, and, uh, and she's a golden doodle. And she's, she's cool. I like her. She's pretty. She's nice. She doesn't poop in my house. But the black one, twice this week, we put him in a crate at night when we sleep. Bring them inside, play with them, put them in a crate. Um, twice this week, that black one has had explosive diarrhea in the crate. And we put the two dogs together. And by the time we get up in the morning, I don't know if you've ever, like, what you know, like some of you love to, like, have the automatic coffee machine. And when you wake up, you just, the smell of that fresh coffee smells so good. Well, twice this week, I woke up to the fresh smell of dog poop. And um, at that moment, is when I changed the, you know, the answer to this question became very clear. And, uh, um, but so we had to deal with that this week. But before we even talk uh, Bible, I, I just want to take a quick survey. How many of you guys, just for the fun of it, think pets are going to heaven? Anybody? Anybody? You got a few? Okay, that's good. Good? All right. Um, you're all wrong. Just, <laughs> just I'm just messing with you. All right, so but let's, I just want to talk about, before we even look biblical, let's just think logically. And uh, if, if the Bible had nothing to do with it, um, what if, if, there's a, if there's a pet heaven, a doggy heaven, or I, I'm, I'm positive, there might be a doggy heaven, but I'm positive there's not a cat heaven. Hell is the only place that, that cats are allowed to go. Um, and I would like to send them there personally. I, listen, I have gotten rid of two expensive couches because of those animals. And, uh, the, and if, for those of you who have been in my home, you know that. You've seen furniture come in and come out because of cats in my home. But... Let's just say that um, there is there is a, a, a pet heaven. Um, well, if there's a pet heaven, is there a pet hell? And how do you how do you get one to the other? You know, how do you make the cut? What's the determining factor? Because if it, if there's a determining factor of like peeing and stuff, all of my animals and pooping in the house, all my animals would not be in heaven. Okay, but if you're a good dog and and you don't you know pee in the carpet and poop in the house, do then you get to heaven? And then the question becomes, well. Uh, well, if it isn't just that, what pets get to go? Um, because I don't know if you're like me, but all my children, they, they love animals. And like my son, Skylar, any animal that he finds becomes a pet. Like um, he, his recent thing is because of, I guess, spring. There's been a lot of inchworms in our yard. And he names all of them. They typically get one of two names, either Speedy or Inchy. But they, they all get named. <laughs> and they last about a day in his hand. And then they die quickly and go to Inchy Heaven or wherever those, the worms go. But those are his pets. So do those make it? And what about people who are weird and have like pet tarantulas? Any people have like weird stuff like tarantulas? And for those of you who have snakes, like all right, that's just evil, okay? You, you know, like you don't put snakes in your home. That's, that's wrong. And I'm, I can kind of guess that maybe snakes are not going to be. And I'm, so then you've got to ask, well, which ones is it? You know, are the ones that are good or bad, certain types of pets, other ones not types of pets. So even when you begin to think about it logically, you go, um, maybe, maybe there's not a real good clear sense of heaven or hell for animals. When you, when you look at the Bible... Um, there's a couple of things that we have to say about it. And that is this. When God created uh, the earth, he created, you know, living things. He created animals. But when he created man, he created them very differently. 
And it says that he um, created man in his own image and that he breathed the spirit of life into them. In other words, that's why you are a person who is made up of not just flesh and bones, but you're a person made up of spirit. You're a spiritual being. That's why we have funerals. That's why we have churches. That's why, you have, that's why we are concerned about our afterlife, even from the very beginning. That's why we build pyramids. and people, Because every human is concerned about their spiritual being and their place in the afterlife. The reason why animals do not bury their dead, the reason why they do not have funerals, the reason why they don't do church, the reason why they don't prepare themselves for the afterlife is because they do not have a spiritual being. Um, they are a physical being. They are, they are flesh. They are bones. Um, they are instinctive. They have brains. And yes, you can love them and they can have personalities. But um, according to the Bible, they don't have a, a spirit. So before, before you shoot me and, and you kind of see the conclusion I'm drawing to, the Bible does, does speak about animals in heaven. I want to show you an instance of that. That's in Isaiah eleven six. This is Isaiah. He's seeing a picture of heaven that God revealed to him of what it would be like uh, in the in the last times in heaven. It says this in, in uh, Isaiah eleven six. It says the wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. Also in Revelation nineteen, talking about the end times, Jesus is riding a white horse. So if you have a pet white horse, he might get used. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus might be, might be riding on him. So there's this, um, in the Bible, there is this clear picture that there are animals in the afterlife. There are animals in heaven. But, uh, my guess is that if you have little fluffy, that fluffy might not be there with you. And I, I hate to say that to you, but, um, and it's probably the reason is this is because we know that people get to heaven, um, because of Jesus and that anyone who claims the name of Jesus can be saved. Animals don't have, um, either the, either the ability to, or the opportunity to claim Jesus. Um, they are created things much like you can't take your car, your purse, your money with you to heaven. You cannot take, uh, your animals to heaven. But again, I could be wrong. Um, but I'm probably not. And, uh, but there is no sense. And I mean, you definitely can hope and pray that fluffy will be in heaven. I know you guys hate me now and I, and I pause. You're welcome to disagree with me, but anyway, there you go. All right. Guards be ready. <laughs> Just teasing. All right. How about this? This next one. Um, um, will people be married or have sex in heaven? This is a great question to ask. I've been married um, for a, um, almost 12 years, and it's, it's been a lot of fun, and I, I love my wife very much. And I would love to spend the rest of, not just my life here, but I would love to spend the rest of my life, even in eternity, with my wife. And I've always thought that would be a really cool idea that, you know, I get to live with her here, I could live with her in heaven. Now, there are probably days that I would say, I'm really glad that, you know, in heaven... I'm not, you know, I'm, just, I'm joking. Um, but uh, the, the Bible, though, it gives us some pretty specific um, answer on this question. It actually comes from the mouth of Jesus, and it comes from Matthew 22, verse 30, and it says this. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Um, for some of you, you know, that's probably tough to swallow. You, you, you love your spouse very much, and, and you couldn't imagine not being in heaven with them um, and, that's, and not being married to them in heaven. But the Bible says very clearly that we are not married in heaven and that when we are in heaven, we have Jesus and he is fully all that we need. Um, and, and we don't really need each other 
um, like we do here on this earth. Now, for some of you, you just sighed a big, huge gasp of relief because you just thought, I'm, you know, I could barely live with this person here and I definitely don't want to live with them for eternity. And, and if they're here and, and you gasped, just a, a, lean over and apologize to them. You know, just, just say a little, and I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't mean to like mess up marriages today. But, um, but here's the, the interesting thing about what the Bible does say about our relationships in, in heaven is that we will know people and we will have relational connections. So it is very possible that in heaven um, you may know your spouse. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of banking that I can request a roommate. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe I can request a roommate and I'll just ask. So I don't know if that's going to be possible or if any of that's true, but I'll, I'll try um, and then the last question, of course, the, the second part of this is, will there be sex uh, in, in heaven? And my guess is because it says there's people who are not married and they're not given in marriage. And the Bible is pretty clear that um, sex is for people in marriage, that there will be no sex in heaven. And I know for some of you that is deeply disappointing and disheartening. Um, you can come down to the front at the end of the service. We would love to pray over you. And, you know, if you need to sob and weep and cry, we understand. Um, but just as an encouragement to you, I'll just speak this to you. And especially if you're uh, men in the room, women, you might not like this. But if we can't do it in heaven, uh, let's get it while we can. You know, so um, uh, I don't hear any women, you know, where are the, where are the women? Uh, thank you, men. Appreciate that. Uh, there. So, so, you know, and, and I'm working on that. You know, I'm really trying hard. So that's why we have five kids. Here's, here's, the, uh, here's the next question. We'll, we'll move on. Should a Christian be cremated? I thought this was a, an interesting question because some people um, in over kind of through the years, we've grown up in some churches that have taught, you know, we don't, we don't do cremation. Actually, in, in biblical times, in ancient times, cremation was a very pagan practice. And so the early uh, Israelites would not um, cremate bodies. They would, um, they would bury them. And the reason why is because they didn't want to associate with the things that these pagans. Now, a pagan was a person who was uh, worshipped false gods. Um, they were people who who didn't believe in the one true God. They worshiped lots of different gods and they would um, cremate their bodies and, and not bury them. And so the Israelites separated themselves from that. Um, but when we, when we look at the scriptures, the, the only thing that we really see that we might have anything to do with that is in Genesis 3, um, when God talks about, um, about how, he, how he made uh, Adam or man and then where he returns. In Genesis 3, chapter, or verse 9, 19 says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So you maybe you've heard that at a funeral, from ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's where that, that phrase comes from. It's the idea that um, when God created us, he literally created man from the dust of the ground. And to that, um, we return. And so is it okay to be cremated? I, I think so. And the reason why I would say that, it, people get concerned about this. They say at the resurrection, um, the Bible teaches that when Jesus comes back to earth, that all of us who have died um, will actually get new, although we will be in heaven when we die with Jesus, um, when Jesus comes back to earth, we'll get new bodies. We'll, be, we'll have, instead of just being spirits, we'll have uh, new spiritual bodies. And um, they say if we were cremated or our bodies were mutilated or destroyed, that our bodies would not be able to be returned. Um, some people get concerned about that. But I just, I don't think that's 
that's even possibly true because of, of all the martyrs in the Bible that are, were burned at the stake, the, the people of God. What in the world just happened? We just lost power. Um, the people of God that, um, sorry, I know it's, it may be distracting, but it's okay. Probably a, blew, a, blew a breaker or something. But um, can you see me at all? Or am I like just a dim shadow? Just a dim shadow once person once known. Um, well, I'll keep, we'll keep going. But anyway, the, um, there were a lot of people, of course, Christians who've been burned at the stake, Christians um, who, who've believed in God, who've been tortured, mutilated, beheaded, things like that. And will they be in heaven? Will they have bodies at the resurrection? Absolutely. And so we just say it's, it's okay to be cremated. So if you're a person who's concerned about that, um, don't worry. It is okay if, if you choose to be cremated. Now, my preference would, thank you, Ta-da. My preference would be to, to be to be buried or thrown into the woods or something like that, you know, or fed to the fishes, but whatever. All right, um, this next question was really fun to to do some research on and to answer. And the next one was this: It's um, what about near death experiences? Uh, is it a lie? Is it a possibility? Maybe you've seen a TV show or read a book from somebody who had a near death experience. I actually had a near death experience myself. And when I was in high school, or I just graduated high school, I got in a, in a really bad car accident. I almost died. And I have um, lost, in my own memory, uh, I have about seven to eight days um, that I just do not remember. Um, from when I was driving on the road, I remember very clearly where I was. Um, I remember what my speedometer said, and I remember the car in front of me right before it hit me. Uh, and then I remember waking up about eight days later, um, in intensive care. And so I have like about eight days of, of, of lost memory. During that time, um, I went to heaven. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't get taken up by any spaceships. I didn't have any weird dreams or anything like that. But it, it was interesting. My, my mom and dad and my family that were there, all, although I don't remember eight days of my life, um, they said that I was kind of, I was conscious during that time. They would talk to me, but they said I would say crazy things. They said I would say stuff that just was insane. And I would talk very, like I was someone, have you ever like kind of been half asleep and you blurted out something and you said, you know, something crazy and then you kind of wake up enough to realize what you said had no, nothing to do with reality? That was probably me. And um, so the, the first thing I, I want to say before we even kind of look into it is, is medically speaking, a lot of times what happens is that when someone has a near-death experience, the reason why they're near death is because they're dying. Um, and typically that would be um, loss of blood to the brain, um, loss of some type of body function. Maybe their heart stops beating. Maybe they've had head trauma, as in my case. I had severe head trauma um, and had lost a tremendous amount of blood, those kind of things. And so your brain, when it is has lack of oxygen, has lack of blood, um, shuts down, can play tricks on you. You can enter into your subconscious. You can be in a very dreamlike state. So sometimes people will, the near-death experience people will say, well, I saw a light. Um, and I, I had this vision of this, of that, of my family, of, of people. It, um, there's no real, real way of knowing that that person had actually died, that their spirit had left their body, um, and that that person was somehow partially in heaven, and then their spirit returned back to their body. There's, there's no real way of, of course, knowing. Now, in the Bible, is there any instance of, I tried to look, is there any near-death experience in the Bible where maybe somebody kind of had a vision of God and then was given the opportunity to live again 
And um, it's just not in there. But there is a couple instances of uh, what I call pre-death experiences. And there's one particular in the New Testament, which I thought was really cool. And it's, um, it's actually found in Acts chapter 7. And there's a man named Stephen who, um, who stood up before uh, this council and began to proclaim Jesus. And they were very angry at him for proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior, as um, many of the, uh, the people were. And as he proclaimed Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they said, Jesus is real, um, they were mad at him, and they stoned him and killed him. Uh, and so, so Stephen stood you know, and talked about Jesus b- before he died. And right before he dies, right, right before they, they kill him, it says this in verse 56. It says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. So he's kind of in this surreal state. He's alive. He's surrounded by all these people who are getting ready to kill him. And he, in, a, in his physical body, he looks up and God reveals to him this, this gives him this vision, a pre-death experience where he sees uh, heaven open up and he says he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, which is Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. So he has this pre-death experience. And right after he says that, um, they, they kill him and he, um, of course, dies. So he, never, he doesn't really come back to life, but he has this sort of vision before he dies. So that's probably the closest thing I've found um, in the Bible. And so my, my conclusion would be this. It, is it a lie? Is it possible? And my, my conclusion would be this. Is it possible that God would give someone a vision or a picture of heaven uh, before they die, while they're still alive in the body, and then then maybe recover and have the opportunity to share that. Absolutely, it's possible. It's a possibility. It happened in the Old Testament. Um, It happened in the New Testament. People had visions of God. People had revelations from God. Um, where they, where God would speak to them and reveal to them and show them pictures and images. Uh, the whole book of Revelation is literally a vision, a revelation uh, from God while a man was a- awake. Um, but that's a little different than what people talk about as near-death experience. When people talk about near-death experience, their idea is, is that they actually die and their body goes to wherever it's supposed to go. And then when their body is revived, their spirit is, is backing up and going. And I, I would disagree with that because I... I would say that once the spirit leaves the body, it doesn't return. And so my guess is is these people who have near-death experiences, who say crazy things, um, could possibly just be dream state, things like that. So here's here's kind of the conclusion. You just need to do this. Um, If someone tells you or you hear a book or someone comes on Oprah, I had a near-death experience, I saw the end, I saw Jesus, I I saw heaven. Listen, do not build your theology on that. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Um, but if it doesn't line up with what God says in his word, uh, then you know it not to be true. In other words, if a guy comes down and says, listen, um, you know, when I was in, when I was dead, you know, they, they told me, listen, they told me, you know, that all you had to do to get to heaven was, and he starts making up is, is buy Taco Bell. You know, that's all you have to do. And, you know, you just don't listen to that kind of stuff. You don't build your theology around it. If it's not in the Bible, then, then it's probably not true. So anyway, I thought it was really fun. It was kind of fun to just look in the Bible and, and see. Maybe you guys have known people that have had an experience like that. But anyway, that's it. Kind of leading to that question as another question. Um, question is leading for this one, and that's this one. Should we try to contact the dead? 
Should we try to contact the dead? Uh, and that's something that, you know, I don't know if you were a kid uh, and you did like me, but when I was a kid, and I especially I remember middle school, and uh, some of my friends, um, they brought some candles into school because they thought it would be really funny, and they brought in a Bible. And we got in the gym closet in middle school, and, and this was in gym class. Our PE teacher, he was never there. You know, it tells you what gym class was like in, in, in my school. So in the middle of gym class, we all go into the closet. It was like four four or five of us, and we light candles. We also were playing with matches in a school. That was probably real smart, too. We light candles. We have a Bible, and we kind of stick it in the middle, and we, we performed a seance. You know, maybe you did that as a kid, and, you know, and I didn't, of course, I didn't really know any better, um, but I remember us kind of holding around, like, all right, you got to hold your hands in a circle, you know, and we have to, like, and I don't remember what we said, but we, like, said this dumb chant that this kid made up, you know. And it was like, let's see the dead, let's see the dead. You made the dead right. We just said something stupid like that. And then like, um, and then we decided that was really fun. So we brought in some other girls, you know, and then we would kind of hide and we would try to hold their hands, you know, and then we would scare them, be like, ah! You know, and they'd be like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> or like, I touched her, <laughs> you know. So that, I mean, that was the only reason for doing a seance, just so we could, you know, be close to cute girls. But but we did that stuff, and like my my cousin, he he bought a Ouija board. He's like, Jay, check out this Ouija board. You, you know, you can like answer questions. And I, you know, one time messed around with that with him, and it just kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I kind of knew it probably wasn't right, so I didn't mess with it. But you know, is, is that is that just fun? Is it innocent? Is it just a game? Or what about tarot cards? You know, is that stuff? Is that are they really speaking to the dead? Are really communicating with people who have, who are past? Um, is that stuff for real, or is it just a game? Or you know, is there some legitimacy to it? What does the Bible say about it? Um, I had a girl in my youth group who was Wiccan one time, and she would always try to cast spells like she was Harry Potter or something. And I say try because she really would try. It was really, it was kind of comical. Um, and she said that her spells worked, but just not all the time. You know, we just never got to see it, but sometimes it did work. But anyway, she was Wiccan, and she would she would try to to cast spells. Is that wrong? Is that just fun? Is that is that evil? Um, or is or is there some legitimacy? Um, to it. You know, if you know anything about New Orleans, they're famous for their little voodoo dolls and, and the, the black magic where they take little voodoo dolls and they stab it because this person's going to represent it, so we stab them. You know, if, if your little daughter does that with her Barbie and beats it, you know, or whatever, is that, is that fun or is, or is it serious? Let's see what the Bible says. Is it innocent or dangerous? Deuteronomy 18 speaks very, very, very clearly on the issue, um, gives us no room to doubt, and it says this. Uh, verse 10 through, through 12. Let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium, or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. That word detestable is pretty strong. It means that God hates those things. Those things um, are, are evil and they are not um, sanctioned by God. So if you ever call like, you know, 1-900, um, you know, I need my fortune read or whatever, uh, don't do that because uh, it's wrong. God hates that. Now, the other question that people ask, well, is there some legitimacy to it? Is it real? Just to let you know, the Bible never says, ever says that stuff is fake. Um, the Bible never claims that um, people who are spiritists or who are sorcerers or who are mediums who speak to the dead um, are fake. Um, but I'll tell you what I think 
the Bible probably does um, lead to say, and again, this is my guess, but I think people who speak to spirits or people who consort with, consort with the dead or people who's, who are mediums, they are not consorting with the dead. They're not consorting with mediums. They're consorting with, de- with demons. Um, because the Bible is clear about, and we'll answer this question in the next part, um, but about communicating with the dead. We cannot communicate with the dead. Um, but there are places in the Bible where people do communicate with demons. It's very clear in the Bible that people communicate with both angels and both demons. And so when people are speaking to someone that is not of this earth, um, it is either an angel or a demon. And probably uh, if it is a person who claims to know your future, it is not an angel, it is a demon. And so that should be very, very leery of. Bad stuff. It's not cute. It's not fun. Um, Don't do it. Don't let your kids play with stuff like Ouija boards and things like that. It's wrong. All right. Here's the next one. It's, you know, kind of ties into it a little bit, but is it wrong to um, pray to the saints or family members who've died? Some people take great comfort um, when grandma dies or when uh, mom or dad pass away and they, they, they pray to mom or dad or they would pray to grandmother. Or if, if you were, grew up Catholic, maybe you grew up um, praying to a saint, um, praying to Mary, um, doing things like that. And what does the Bible say about that? You know, First of all, the, the official position of the Roman Catholic Church, if you're Catholic, is that um, Catholics do not pray to saints. Um, you do not pray to Mary, and, and you do not pray to saints. Now, that's the official uh, Roman Catholic statement. But oftentimes, uh, what, what they actually practice, sometimes they, from priest to priest, they will do that. But what the Roman Catholic Church says is that, that you, you, pray, you ask the saints to pray for you on your behalf that you would say, you know, Mary, please pray for me. You're not, you're not praying to them, but you're asking them to pray on your behalf. You're asking the saints to pray for you on your behalf. Here's the, um, of course, the, the problem with that is, is um, what it says in, in that verse in Deuteronomy, that it is detestable to speak with, with those who are dead or try to consort with those who are dead. And although, um, although saints were great people, um, they're dead people. And although um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is, was an, an incredible woman, she's a, she's a dead woman. She no longer uh, lives. And that's why we pray to Jesus and to Jesus alone, because Jesus is not dead. The Bible is very clear that he rose again from the dead. Uh, he is not dead. We're not consorting with the dead when we pray to Jesus, because he is, he is God. If, if you're talking to someone who is not a part of the Trinity, either the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, then you are speaking to someone who is currently uh, dead. They are, in, they are in heaven. And the Bible says that it's not okay for us to consort or to pray for them. And, and just even practically, I'll just tell you, it's probably kind of not a very good idea to even pray to them because um, the Bible gives us a very clear answer that we can pray straight to the throne of God. We don't need a saint to pray for us. Um, this is what First Timothy 2.5 says. It says, For there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind. And the only person who can pray for you and mediate between you and God, the only person who can stand in the gap for you and God is one person, and that man is Jesus Christ. So if you were to pray to someone else, then that person could not pray for you. If you pray to grandma, she cannot do you any good here on this earth. No saint can do you any good on this earth. Um, Only Jesus can is the mediator. And Jesus talks about prayer and he gives very specific instruction on how we should pray. And listen to how he says we should pray in Matthew 6. He says, This then is how you should pray. 
our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And notice who he says he prays to. He prays to the Father in heaven. And so, and then um, there's also more teaching in the Bible that says we should always pray in Jesus's name. That's why sometimes if you're kind of grew up in the church, they always, people always say this in Jesus name. Amen. And the reason why they say in Jesus name, amen, is because the the scriptures um, tell us that when we should pray, it should always be in the, for, for the namesake of Jesus. In other words, it should never be to a family member. It should never be um, to a saint or to anyone else who was great. Although they were great people, although I, I love the saints, although I love um, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, she was an incredible woman of God. Um, she is not who we need to pray to. We have the ability to go straight to God. Hebrews, um, Hebrews 12 says that um, we have uh, direct access to God. Actually, it's Hebrews um, 10 that says um, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that's, uh, I know that might not be how you grew up, but that's kind of the, the biblical standpoint. Why, why some churches do that, I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. It came from tradition, from different things, from history, but um, it's not in the Bible. Next, this is kind of a sensitive one. Um, it's can a person who commits suicide go to heaven? And this kind of falls back into the issue of there have been, um, you know, churches in the past. And at, at one point, I don't know if it's still the official stance of the Roman Catholic Church. But at one point, um, there was a, a stance that said that suicide was an unforgivable sin. And if you committed suicide, um, you, you would go to hell and there would be no heaven. It was only damnation for you. And the, the idea behind that is, is if you commit suicide, you commit a sin without the ability to ask for forgiveness of that sin. You see, because if you com- kill yourself, then that would be considered self-murder. And then um, you don't have the opportunity after that to pray and ask forgiveness and, and to be forgiven for that sin. Well, you know, I, I don't want to s- spend a lot of time on this, but to kind of breeze through really quick, um, the Bible only teaches that there is only one sin that is unforgivable. Only one sin. Uh, and that's talking bad about your mama. That is the only, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, that's just the only sin in the South that you can't forgive, right? It's like, if you, if you, lay, you, can, you can say anything about me you want to, but you start talking about my mama and we're going we're gonna to throw down, all right? So um, that's just the way it happens in the South. Um, but that's not the unforgivable sin. The, the unforgivable sin is this, is that you would uh, blaspheme Jesus, that you would reject him when you had the opportunity to accept him, that you would personally deny either the existence of Jesus or deny the, the lordship of Jesus. That's the unforgivable sin. Um, all other sins, uh, the Bible says, are forgivable. That would include self-murder. Now, I, if you're a person who's ever um, considered suicide, and there are many people who have considered it or attempted it, uh, let me just encourage you that God uh, never... Uh, uh, condones it. Uh, it is a sin, and you should never consider such a thing. Uh, God doesn't want to speed your life up here on this earth. He's given you a purpose and a plan and a meaning for this life. Although you might not feel like that, God has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. And if you've ever considered that, you need to talk to someone. Please, please, please talk to someone um, before you would ever think about doing something as terrible as that. So anyway, that's kind of a quick one on that one. Here's this one. Will we, will we remember our lives in heaven? Now, this is kind of fun. Some people think, you know, we have, 
I love my family. I love all the experience I have. When I get to heaven, will I I remember what happened um, when I get to heaven? Some people say, no. They say, you you won't remember anything. Those people claim a verse, Isaiah 65, 17, that says this. When God says, behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And so there's this verse saying that, you know, God will create a new heaven, a new earth, and everything in the past um, will be gone. So some people will say, well, obviously, we won't have any memory. Uh, but then other people will say, well, there's other passages that lead that say we, we might do that. We read this passage two weeks ago, or two Sundays ago, and we looked at this passage in Luke 16. It was a story of a man who went to heaven and a man who went to hell. And the man, there was a rich man in hell, and he remembered in hell, he remembered his family, and he actually pleaded to, to Abraham. He says, Abraham, please send someone to go tell my family because I don't, I don't want them to come to hell um, where, where I am. So he remembered his family even while he was being tormented in hell. So some people say, you know, we'll have some, some memory in heaven. There's also the, the issue of the, the Bama seat or the judgment seat of Christ. When we stand before Jesus in heaven, this is for, for Christians. If you believe in him, you will stand before him and be judged um, by your past works. And there's to be a sense of the things that you did good in, the, in, your, in your life, um, the things that you did for the sake of Christ, you'll be rewarded for in heaven. And so there's got to be, I guess, some sense of remembering of those things. Um, but my guess is, too, that because the Bible says there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more sadness, there'll be no more weeping, um, there'll be no more nor death, no dying, no any of that. My guess is that we might not remember everything, you know, but we'll probably have memory of some things, um, but maybe not everything. That's just my guess. Um, I don't know for sure. That's just my biblical opinion. And, and kind of the goes along with this is the next one is can people in heaven see what's happening on earth and my my guess is is that um there's probably a lot of things happening here on earth that i don't want you know people in heaven to see you know i don't know if you're like me and some of you though you think the fact that grandma have you ever said like you know grandma's looking down on us or you know mom or dad or great grandma they're looking down on us and seeing us right now some of you have take great comfort in that i personally uh, I think it's a little creepy. You know, that's just me, but there's some things in my life I do not want Grandma to see. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it just, you know, you know, there's some things I can't do when I die that I'm trying to take care of now, and I don't want Grandma knowing about those so, or seeing those. So anyway, um, if, can people, you know, see when they, when they get up there? I, I don't really know. My guess is, is, is probably uh, no. And the reason why, again, is because of Luke 16 and that story when the man went to heaven, the man went to hell, is that he, he tried to, there was no speaking of him being able to see what was going on. He just was crying out for, for them to send someone down to remind them. There's no speaking of them being able to see or communicate. So that's my guess. And if there's not going to be any sorrow or weeping or sadness in heaven, um, if you were watching what was going on in earth, do you think that would be true? Probably not. So anyway, here's another question that, you know, as we get to a close. What about unborn children or infants? Do they go to, to heaven or not? And that was, uh, this one's kind of a sensitive one and a tough one. If you've had an infant uh, die, uh, maybe you've had an abortion, and you've wondered, does that child go to, to heaven or to hell? Um, maybe you're a person who um, had a, uh, you know, a, a miscarriage or something like that. What happens to unborn children? Well, there's, there's not, just to kind of give you a quick answer, there is not a lot of clear 
scripture about the issue. And the Bible doesn't speak like, okay, here it says all infants and all babies go to heaven. It does not say that. Um, and there's some things that we do know is true, and that's that, that all people are sinful. And that whether when you are come out of the womb, that you are sinful by birth, um, that you uh, naturally reject uh, the goodness of God, even from birth, and that, that sin is punishable um, from, from God and can't be with sin. So there's, there's the issue that it is, it is possible infants um, go to hell. Um, that is not my personal belief. And the reason why is there's a passage uh, in Second Samuel where David, uh, uh, he had a, an infant that died. And here's how he spoke of that infant in Second Samuel 12. He answered, he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and I wept. It was a very young child that died. And he says, I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So there was this idea that, you know, while the child was alive, David was you know, weeping and upset. But when the child died, David stopped mourning and he didn't cry anymore. And the reason why he said that is because he, he said, because, well, you know, since the child can't come to me, when I die, I'll go to be with the child, um, meaning he would go be in heaven with the child as if the child was in heaven. And so the, people take that statement and that, that passage and say, well, then there's probably a something to that, that children, either infants or uh, unborn, are probably in heaven. Um, there's another passage in John 9, where Jesus talk, is healing a blind man. And here's what he's, he's and then there's some um, Pharisees that are there, and the Pharisees are condemning Jesus for healing this man. But Jesus says this, says something interesting. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. In other words, this, if you were a person who had no ability to see your own sin or had didn't have either the mental capacity or the physical mental ability to, to reject or accept Jesus, you would be considered without sin. I believe that to be true. That's my, again, it's not hard and fast in the Bible, but this is my personal opinion, that if you are a child um, and you are young, I have young children, and there, some of them are, do not have the mental capacity to, to understand God enough to accept or reject Jesus. And I believe by the goodness of God, by the graciousness of God, uh, the way Jesus treated children when he was on this earth, he, he would constantly um, bring children into his arms. And, and the disciples would say, get these children you know, away from Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, don't let anyone ever hinder children coming to me. And the way, just the way Jesus acted uh, from the character that we know of God, my guess is, is that children, uh, either unborn or infants who do not have the capacity, or maybe it's a, a person who has, um, who has um, a mental deficiency, maybe the person who has a genetic disorder, and they live their whole life without, with the, the, capacity, the mental capacity of a three-year-old. Um, I believe that those people uh, will be in heaven with the Father. Uh, and then I think the last and the most important question as we close out is this. And this is kind of the, the one that, that people always struggle with. And that is, um, is there more than one way to get to heaven? Is there more than one way to get to heaven? Um, let me just read you a few verses and you can make a conclusion on your own. John fourteen six to 7, this is the words of Jesus. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Acts 4.12, in speaking in the name of Jesus, it says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. Ephesians 2.8-9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith, it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be religious enough. You cannot pray enough. You cannot pray your way into heaven. Um, The only way that you can get to heaven, the Bible is very clear, is that is through the person of Jesus, trusting and relying on him. I was watching uh, a show this last week about a a man who was an um, ex-bishop of the Episcopal Diocese, and he claims that um, heaven and hell are, are made up things by the church and that punishment and, and that Jesus is the only way that is just made up religion and that the church uses this just to control people, you know, and you've probably heard that. Maybe you've even thought that the idea of the afterlife of heaven and hell is just this thing that, that the church wants to impose on people to control people. And, um, as I was listening to this, you know, God just kind of, kind of share with me that the reason why there are people who, who believe that and feel that way is because they don't understand the message of Jesus. Um, what other religion in the world is there that a person can live a, a, a horrible life? Um, they can create, they can live a criminal their whole life, and they can be at their deathbed, as the story of Jesus tells us. There was a man who was a criminal, and all that he had done was bad, and he was hanging for his punishment, hanging for his crimes, and at his death, he's dying. He looks over and he sees this man on a cross beside him as he dies. And he notices something so different about this man who's dying beside him on this cross as he's being executed. That surely this man is something special. And the things that they say about this man must be true. And Jesus, there was a man who was dying beside Jesus and the Bible clearly states, there's this man who claims that even upon his death, that he lived a criminal life, even upon his death, but he says, Jesus, truly you are who you say you are. And Jesus says this to to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you're going to be with me in heaven. What kind of religion allows someone to live a terrible life then at their deathbed claim the name of Jesus and live eternity in heaven? Is that a a religion of control? Is that a religion of, let's just kind of enforce people to believe that there's a hell and a heaven just so that we can force this kind of our beliefs and our rules on them? I don't think so. That's a, that's a picture of God's grace that we don't really fully understand what God is really about and the reason why there's a heaven and a hell. And, and the reason why, Je- why God sent his son Jesus is so that we might experience his grace and forgiveness. That he, although we are people who sometimes live terrible lives and we could live a terrible life our whole life, um, not that that's what you're supposed to do, but Jesus, when he died on the cross, he came so that you and I might have life, eternal life, life in heaven. Um, not because he wants to control us here on earth and just give us religion. God doesn't have much to do with religion. That's just a man's game. But God does have a lot to do with grace and, and mercy. And he, just, he wants you to come to the place where you say, I trust in this person, Jesus, that he is who he says he was. He was God. And I'm not trusting on my own self to get to heaven. I can't trust in how good I am. I can't trust in how much I pray and how much I go to church and how much of a father, how much money I make. That's not going to help me get to heaven. The 
only thing that's going to get me to heaven is this person named Jesus. And by knowing him and following him. That's what the Bible teaches. Very clear. Not a religion of control, a religion of freedom and of grace. Um, Maybe you're here and you've never experienced that. It's really easy to. You just need to give yourself to him. Just pray and say, God, I give you my life and I trust in you for my eternal salvation. Um, It's not creepy or weird and you don't have to do a seance or anything weird like that. You just tell God in your own heart. You tell him in your own words uh, that he is Lord. And the Bible says that you'll be saved. And I pray that you would do that. Uh, And if you've never done that, you need to do that today.